Hey, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 2. And uh, while you're doing that, I am going to own a mistake. Uh, you ever have one of those months where you're like, yeah, I wish that month was over? Um, so if I were a shepherd, is actually for next week, and that's my fault. I hand out the, uh, I kind of, we work on it, the sermon schedule stuff, and, and I, I messed it up. So if you see this and look at this, this is my fault. Just, just letting you know. We're, we're talking about wise men, or the magi today, and I don't know what I did. I have no idea. So a pop quiz, here we go. Uh, how many kings were there um, meeting with Jesus on, on the account here as we look at Matthew chapter 2. How many kings were there? Three. Trick question. There were no kings. Isn't that such a bummer? It's a trick question. Yeah, I know you're going, well, what am I? Well, we three kings of Orient are. Yeah, it's theologically wrong. It is, right? I mean, it's... I don't know how that got in there. That's Christian folklore um, is what that is. It's folk theology. It's, it's not king. The word there is not king at all. In fact, he actually uses the word king a couple of times in Matthew chapter 2 here in the first 16 verses. So if he wanted to call them kings, he could have, but he didn't. He called them magi. So how many magi were there with Jesus there and Mary? Three. How many say three? How many say something different? Yeah, something different. How many people don't know? Yeah, all right, it's another trick, trick question. I'm sorry, it, there, it wasn't three. We don't know. It could have been three, but we don't know. It says they were there and they offered gifts. How many gifts or types of gifts did they offer? Three. And so historically, Western Christianity has said, oh, because they offered, okay, here's a pop quiz. Nobody over the age of 12 can answer this. I'm letting those who are over the age of 12, let that sink in. That's you. Anybody under the age of 12, answer this. What were the three types of gifts that the wise men gave, the magi gave? What do you got? What was it? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Way to go. Come on. So here we go with the three gifts, right? So what happened? Western Christianity looked at the three gifts and said, oh, there is, you know, three wise men, three magi. And uh, actually, if you go over to the Middle East and Eastern Orthodox, they actually have 12. Which I'm like, huh, really? So it doesn't say. It just doesn't say. So a little bit of a... You know, Bible quiz thing. And, and there will be another question here in a few moments. Um, but I, I want to talk about this whole story of the wise men. And it says here in verse 1 of chapter 2 Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. All Jerusalem with him. And all Jerusalem with him were troubled. So he assembles the priests and we'll, we'll catch up to that story here. Um, so he drops this description here of these 
uh, you know, depending on your translation, it could be wise men, it could be magi. If you go in the Greek, the word is, it is actually magos, M-A-G-O-S. That, that's the Greek word. Um, but if you look at the circumstantial evidence of this, and then what we're going to do here is, is kind of put together pieces of this thing and, and see where it points. So the word magos actually is not a Greek word. They borrowed it from a different country. And where they borrowed it from was Persia. And you're thinking, well, how do you know that? Well, it's the same thing like we speak Spanglish here, right? So how many people really think that King George whatever invented the word burrito? (laughs) Right? Burrito was not in the English language until we met our brothers and sisters in Mexico and south of us, right? They had the word burrito. So we know that in America, oh yeah, what is burrito, what is taco? Oh, well, that's Mexican. What is magos? Oh, well, that's Persian. If you grew up in that culture, you would know, oh yeah, that's, that's actually a Persian word. Which raises all kinds of questions then, right? Because if he's using the word magos here as, as this word that describes it, um, He's talking about then people that were from the east, from Persia. And if you look up at Persia, this is the height of the Persian Empire. So the height of the Persian Empire comes in the book of Daniel, right? Babylon had conquered Israel, and then the Persians came along and conquered the Babylonians, and we had Cyrus the Great, right? You guys remember all the little world history kind of thing? Don't worry, I didn't remember this any at all, too. I was having to read this stuff. So. Um, so Persia actually goes all the way over to the western border of India at its height, and it had conquered Egypt and all this. Persia was a huge empire at the height. By the time we get to Jesus being born, Rome had already conquered all of Persia, and then Rome slowly got chased back, 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 until all Rome really owned and ruled was all the countries bordering the Mediterranean Sea. So imagine that. So anything, now look at modern day, uh, if you look at a modern day map. So they didn't own any of those countries except for what bordered that. What's interesting is, here's your pop quiz question, is what country today considers themselves Persian? Iran. Huh. Iranians. So if you do the math on this, the heart of the Persian Empire is Iran, modern-day Iran. They see themselves as Persians. So if you do the math on this, these guys, more than likely, as you look at the circumstantial evidence, circumstantial, right? More than likely, were Iranians. You know, we like to make bad guys out of people, right? There's nothing better than a really good country to hate, right? Just watch the Rocky movies, right? We got to hate Russia and and all these other movies that are coming out. And and there's something about what fosters in us is, oh, yeah, the Iranians are our enemy. and, And it's just not how God rolls, it's just not how he rolls. Circumstantial evidence seems to indicate these guys came from Iran, Persia. 
Huh. Who would have thought? Now, if you would ask me, would I die for this? No, I'm not a 10 on it. I'm a six and a half, seven. I think there's enough evidence, and the scholars that talk about this all point to this. This, this word and what it means, and it's a Persian word and, and all of the history that goes with that. So this word, magos, M-A-G-O-S, in Persia is M-A-G-U-S, but if you read in the New Testament, which is what Matthew was writing in, in Greek, right? He was writing in Greek, and the authors are writing in Greek. So the question is, does this word occur anywhere else in the New Testament? Like, what does this word mean? Well, it occurs four times in the book of Matthew. Guess what chapter? Chapter 2 in the first 16 verses. The only other two times it occurs is over in Acts chapter 13, which is really like, huh, really? What's in Acts chapter 13? It's the story of this guy who was a magician who actually had power, magos. So when Matthew starts to write about this, he's writing about Magos. He's writing about guys. In Persia, this, this name, Magos, was actually referring to a whole caste system, a, a religious system of priests and, and scribes and the whole thing where they studied astrology. They looked at the heavens and they studied the stars and the signs. They looked for meaning and interpreting meaning from where the position of the stars were and the alignment of things and all that. If you read horoscopes, if you do that stuff, that, that's what this is. Zoroastrianism, if you're like a scholar and you want to know the fancy word, that, that was huge in Persia. Significant in Persia. And these guys were Magos, which was the name, the very name the Persians used to describe those who were experts in this. Which is interesting. And it looks like they were really good at it because they were wealthy. Right, who makes a trip like that? Like who has that kind of money? So they're probably pretty good at it. And this is where I kind of throw up my hands and go, what in the world? What? This is the Christmas story. It's a story about Jesus, right? Because if you remember Deuteronomy, kind of an important book, I know it's hard to read by itself, Deuteronomy. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy are like, I am so lost in all these things. Like, but and then all of a sudden it comes alive, right? So Deuteronomy says this in Deuteronomy 18, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall, not be, you shall, rather, be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners, but as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. Divination is simply trying to divine, trying to ascertain, trying to understand the meaning of life and direction for life in the heavens. 
It's doing an end run around the divine one, God, in order to figure out what's going on in life. That's divination. That's what the magi were good at. Looking at omens, looking at the sky, and they're the ones here in Matthew who've seen the star. What do you do with that? If I was a wise man, and I'm looking in the heavens, and I see a star, and I know it's a star that symbolizes a king is born. And I've got some time, and I, I look back on this as a wise man. You know what I would probably start thinking? This God wants to be found. Isn't that cool? Like, if, if someone is searching, they'll find God. He's going to show up where people search. This is so crazy. And we look at that and think, oh, that's so cool. God does that. He never does that anymore. That was just then. This is now. Yeah, God doesn't do that. Whatever. You ever read this book, uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus? Anybody read this book? I know it kind of ran through the Christian community here in the U.S. So this guy grew up in a fundamentalist Islamic home, right? Straight out of Islam, heart of Islam, and groomed, looked like he was going to be an imam, he was going that direction and that kind of spiritual influence, and he starts to just question this whole thing, and he's starting to search and trying to figure this thing out. Is there a God, and who is God, and who is Jesus? So he's, he's searching for Allah because he's, he's really wanting to be this teacher of it, of Allah. And as he does this, he starts running into problems. And he starts running into, because he's really searching. He's genuinely searching for God. He really is. And there's this, there's this moment he has towards the end of this, this search where he has a vivid dream, a crazy vivid dream, right? It's so vivid, he writes it all down, and he calls up his mom, and he says, Mom, I had this unbelievable dream. you gotta get, you got to help me interpret this thing. So what does she do? She gets out her book of interpretations written by Islamic clerics. This is what this dream means. If you have this kind of dream, this is... So his mom gets out the book, and he's searching for God, right? He's searching for God. He's trying to understand who Jesus is. He says, I have this crazy dream. So he goes, I had a dream about this. She says, well, if you have a dream about that, that's what this means. That's what the, and she's got the book, and she's looking. Well, that's what this means. She goes on to interpret point after point after point after point, and by the end of the, by the, end of the conversation, he realizes he's just had a dream from Jesus, and it is a thing that turns everything for him, and he starts to follow Christ. Our God shows up where people search. And, and this stuff doesn't splash up on him. It doesn't make him like stained. He's the one who wipes away stains. He's Teflon. It doesn't stick to him. Our stuff just will not stick to him. 
And he shows up in the middle of where they're looking and, and he does this and it's just like these guys are looking up in the heaven and what are they looking for? They're looking for meaning. They're looking for God. And he shows them a star and they're like, we've never seen a star like that. That's a key. We're going. I wonder who this king is. And they show up in Jerusalem and, and this, I, I love this. They ask the question, where is he who is born king of the Jews? We want to see this king of the Jews who's been born. Herod freaks out. He's troubled. All of Jerusalem's troubled with him. So he assembles all the chief priests and the scribes. Imagine this, like the chief priests and the scribes, they all hear about this. There's a star, there's a king that's been born. They got this whole confab going on and, and they all like, don't like each other. They're all jockeying for power. It's, it's just so stressful, whatever. And they get there and say, oh yeah, it's obvious. We know where the, the Messiah is born. Oh, it, it's born, you know, the prophet. And they quote the prophet, oh, you in Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for from you shall come a ruler who will separate Separate, who will shepherd my people, Israel. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, ascertained from them what time the star would appear, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you found him, bring me word so that I too may come and worship him. So, Herod, they, they meet this guy, Herod, and and Herod is just, if you don't know the story, he's, he's insane. Like, he really is insane. He's like one of the most insane, evil people you've ever imagined, filled with paranoia, filled with evil. I mean, he's just rebelled against God so long, it, it just does that. When you rebel against God long enough, you just live in deceptions and lies, and you get paranoid about everything. One, because you, you, you know somebody's gonna figure it out, right? You're always paranoid somebody's going to undo the lie. But the other piece of it is you get so paranoid because you think, well, that's how everybody else lives. And, and, and it just goes down. I mean, he's so paranoid. He killed his wife and he killed three of his kids. I mean, mom and dad, look at, look at your kids right now. Look at your mom and dad. Are you going to off me? You know, kind of. Right? He killed three of his sons and his mom because he thought they were going to be a threat to the throne. And so he pulls these guys aside, and, and they don't know. They seriously don't realize how bad Herod is. And so he says, hey, tell me, you know, how, what, how long ago did you see that star? So he's trying to figure out the age, right, the age of the baby. How long ago was that? Okay, that's how... And you can tell they don't have any kind of suspicion that they're kind of without guile, right? They don't know the politics. They don't know what's going on. They're just here. They saw the star. They're wanting to see this, this king of the Jews that's born. And, and we know that because only in verse 16 do you see that God sends an angel to warn them, say, hey, don't go back. And they're like, oh, that, that's good information to know. Don't, don't want to die yet. But what's What's interesting in this story is if I was, you know, if I were a wise man, I'm coming to a nation that is known, that they're known as, oh, we're the people of God nation. I mean, that's a reputation. 
We're meeting the king of Israel. We've just met with all the scribes, all the priests. And what's interesting is they get done with it all. No one, according to the text, no one goes with them. Now, if text is silent, you could say, but by all indications, it's just the wise men. Not one court officer, not one like high priest, priest, big scribe, smart scribe, I don't know, intern, court lackey, no one, no one of the people of God go six miles. I mean, it's a long journey, six miles. That's like walking to Rittman, downtown Rittman, or walking to downtown Barberton. I mean, it's pretty rough. Don't know if you'll make it. See the king of kings, you know, just a king with this. You get it? You know what I mean? I'm like, imagine a wise man, and, and these people are supposed to be the people of God. This is a king that's born. There's a, there is a cosmic sign we're talking about here. If I was a wise man, I'd be like, when did they give up? When did they quit? Why are they so cynical? They don't believe anymore. They don't. Isn't that interesting? I mean, who's the hero in the story? The hero in the story are these guys who practice divination, but have seen a sign from God in the heavens, and they're searching for God, and they come in faith. And the people of God who have the word of God and have the prophecies of God, and oh, by the way, they know Zechariah. I mean, there's priests here, right? This this is priests. So they know the story of Zechariah, which has to happen in the last, in the previous couple years, less than that. Jesus may be two years old, probably younger. They know the story of Zechariah, priest. We talked about it last week. In the temple, can't speak, has an angel, right? Then his wife and him, who he's old and she's advanced in years, has a child. It's this miraculous story. They have that. They have the story, especially in Bethlehem, which had to have gotten back, of of Mary and Joseph. Joseph had seen a couple angels. Mary has this miraculous conception. They have all the information. They're just cynical. It's... It's a cultural thing. It's just, there's no faith. It's so sad. No faith. Not one, not one person came. Be shocked. Just be shocked, like... So they get to Bethlehem. Actually, I love this this moment here. They went on their way in verse 9, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw a child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream 
not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. What's interesting is, as you look at the story, they, re, they, st- they head out again to go to Bethlehem, and the star that had risen back over in the east now all of a sudden appears. Like, how does that happen? Is it just for them? Like, I, I don't, there's questions I have about this, right? Like, who, who got to see that? Because it seems like it was just them. There's a story, actually, that's early on in this journey as he's starting to search for God, and he's starting to, he's having doubts about Allah as God, uh, Allah and, and Muhammad as God. And he's starting to have doubts and, and going, wait a minute, is there a God like God, Christianity, Jesus God, and I've been following the wrong one? And so there's this one moment where he prays to God as in Jesus, and he's over, this is the crazy, he, it, it's this dichotomy, it, it, it's, which is the mess we all are, right? Um, so he's on this search, and he's in England, and he's at this massive convention. It's an Islamic convention, and there's tens of thousands of people there as he describes it, and it's sprawled out all over this place, and, and it's impossible, right, to, to meet anybody. So this is back when you had, like, everybody just had the, the cell phone ready, and, you, I mean, you maybe had a little pager thing, but so he's at this thing, and he's hoping to meet some childhood friends that he's never seen in years, and he's, he's an adult now, right? So he's in, a, he's in a college years, I think. And he's trying to meet some young childhood friends that he's never seen. And he, hasn't, he doesn't know if they're there, first of all. He hasn't corresponded with them since he was a kid. And he just says, God, and he just says, I've never done this before. I couldn't even believe I was doing it. God, if they're there, would you lead me? He just he says, I couldn't even believe I said this. And he bowed his head and prayed that. If they're there, would you lead me to them? And he says, I opened my eyes. And he says, there was these two colorful ribbons. That's the only way I could describe them in, in the sky. He says, and they weren't like two feet away, like I could touch it, but they weren't like thousands of miles away. He says, it's just a surreal thing. They were right in front of me. And he says, I, I said out loud, like, are you joking? Like, I mean, God immediately answers his prayer and his first response is, you got to be kidding me. Like, we're going to do this? Like, it's that real? So he just starts following these ribbons, and they just start leading him through the crowd, you know, tens of thousands of people. Leads him through the crowd, leads him through all these tents and all these little things, booths and stuff. I mean, he's totally lost, following these ribbons, and they finally lead him into the middle of this whole thing, and he gets to this one tent, and stop, they stop over this tent, and he goes, well, okay. And he walks into the tent, and the two guys he was looking for, right there in the tent. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. If I was a wise man, I'd be like, this is so cool. Like, this who does this like i'm searching for meaning and and i'm looking for something bigger and i'm looking for god and and then i see this like over the house after what maybe a thousand miles because the heart let's just say the heart of persia is a thousand miles away the heart of it is tehran is 1200 miles away from jerusalem 
And, and so you're talking easily, probably a thousand miles at least away. And, and this star leads them to the house. And they go inside the house, and there is Mary, and they say, hey, we're looking for a king, a little baby king. Can you imagine that moment, right? Like, what do you say to somebody, like a mom and her boy? Hey, we're looking for somebody, somebody had a king, baby king. You know about this? Imagine Mary in that moment. You ever have those God stories that you really want to share, but if you shared them with some people, you've shared them with some people and they think you got like three heads. <laughs> yeah. Right? You ever have that moment where you're like, yeah, I'm getting out of this conversation. Sorry, I didn't say any of that. Just pretend like I, I didn't say that because I know it sounds crazy. That's this moment. They're, they're saying, hey, look, we're from a thousand gajillion miles away. We traveled here. We're looking for some king. Tell us we're not crazy. And there's a star over your house. And Mary, who has hid all these things in her heart, you ever have that moment where you're with somebody who knows those kind of stories? Like, ha, not just hurt, not about reading it in a book, but has the God stories of God showing up when you're searching for him and what? Like, I didn't know I'd see you here and God's like, well, you were searching for me. What did you expect? Right? And, and Mary just, Mary gets, I think Mary and them talked. Because Middle East culture, man, you go over there and it's just a, it, it's just so different here. Like, you come over and it's a couple hours and by then you, you just got to go. I mean, that's, that's American culture for most of us. Book it, do the, do the proper time allotment, and then get out of here. I just talked with somebody who had the African Children's Choir in. Um, here in Akron area and they had a real problem with all the families because the Africans have no sense of time. They have incredible sense of purpose and relationship but really don't give a rip about time. And so can you imagine all these soccer parents and basketball parents and dance parents with schedules? Bang. And they had a massive clash of culture because the Africans felt very insulted and very rushed because it was diminishing relationship. And the Americans were very insulted because it was so disrespectful because we got a schedule to keep. And in a culture here where time is very important, you don't break that code. That's a cultural thing here. It's not evil, it's what it is. Both cultures are right, it's just different expression. But can you imagine these wise men, sorry, that was free, that wasn't on the notes. Um, these wise men come in and they get to talk to Mary. This isn't just an hour conversation. This is Middle Eastern culture. You sit down. You, you stay together. You hospitalitization, right? You're the, you're the host. And I'm sure they're so wealthy. They see this, this woman and her husband's a, a carpenter, blue-collar guy. They're not going to put the burden on them. Not, these guys have, have so much money but they're going to be together and they're going to share bread and a meal and time. They didn't just come here a thousand miles to be there for an hour at appointment. This was, I would imagine if you look at culture, circumstantial evidence would say this probably transpired over a couple days. 
And Mary got to tell the story. And the wise men are there saying, just, just, you know, <laughs> tell us we're not crazy. And Mary's like, let me tell you a story. I've got a story. Because they were safe to tell it to. Because they believed. They had no problem believing. You get that? Like, the, the priests aren't there the scribes aren't there. The king of Israel isn't there because they don't believe. It's these magi steeped in divination looking at the scars going, oh, we have no problem believing. And if I was a magi, especially at the end of all this, we're about to go home, and then somebody gets a dream, Hey, don't go back to Herod. That, that guy's bad news. Just go a different way. And they go, really? Like, you think all the signs are done. You think God's done moving. And then God comes along and says, hey, look, I got your back here. Stay away from that guy. And it's this, I think it's this tender moment where these guys have come all this way and God's like, I love you. I care for you. And if I was a magi, which seems a lot like a book like this, you know what he did? He said, I'm following him. I'm following him. I'm leaving it all behind. I mean, there's a whole chapter on cost. In fact, the whole book is on cost. But what's going to happen if I do this? And I think these guys walked away. They had met the Messiah. And if I was a wise man, a magi, I'd believe. I love this story because it's, um, it shows how much Jesus wants us to find him. He wants everybody to find him. And, and when I hear people say, oh, well, what about the person in Africa? Let me tell you about somebody in Persia. Let me tell you about somebody in Iran. If somebody is searching, God will show up. He will. He will show up in the middle of where they're searching, where it seems all messy. And I, I don't understand that. Like, how does God show up in the middle of a dream and it's this book on Islamic ways to dream? Like, how? God, that's so illegal. Like, no, you can't do that. And God's like, it doesn't get me dirty. I clean everything. And, and I'm going to use this thing, and that's evil, and you shouldn't do it, but I'm here because they're looking here. I just, I don't understand that all. Like, I just don't, they're looking up in the skies and they see a star. And, 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 and the reason why I think they believed is this. What did they do when, what does it say they did when they got into that home? They worshiped. They didn't honor him. They didn't just respectfully say, oh, this is a king. Worship is something entirely different than a court scene. This was not a courtroom, like as in king holding court. This was adoration. 
These wise men believed. And they worshiped. They were ready to worship the king. Because it wasn't just a king. Like a lot of kings get born, but how many kings get born and have a star? Now there's a lot of kings who think they're born and they get a star. This is the one king who had a star. The universe declares the glory of the king. King is born. And they come and they worship him and they bring these incredible gifts, right? Like kingly gifts. And I know church history, you, you find it throughout church history, oh, this is what the gold meant and this is frankincense. It, it doesn't say, like, okay, so that's, that's speculation. It's expensive gifts is what it is. Really expensive gifts. They came because they thought we are going to meet the king whose star is in the sky and we've been searching for it. We've waited our lives for something like this. We're going to worship him. It was funny, we, um, last spring we had the president of the denomination here. Um, and uh, we, I mean, according to those I polled who've been a part of our church um, for an advanced number of years, um, said, no, we've never had, a pres- had the president of denomination here. And so he came and he, he got to, you know, he was here, he spoke on a Sunday morning, and, and so we had a luncheon for him afterwards. And, and that's so cool. We invite the leadership to this, you know, whoever could come and just had some time rubbing shoulders with the president of the nomination. And, and we, got, uh, we got into the office on Monday, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, and we were just kind of, you know, talking about the weekend, and it turned into evaluating how it went. And, and then somebody said, what's up with the no dessert thing at the luncheon? And I'm like, I, I don't know. And, there, and then, oh, it was like blood was in the water at that point. Um, they're like, yeah, wh- what, what is that? Like, why, you know, Brooks, what were you thinking? Like, why didn't we get dessert? And I'm like, I don't know. And, and, and so Beth Falkenberg, if you know Beth, and she is such a gift because she tells it like it is, and she laughs as she says it. So as she cuts off your arm, it's really funny. Um, and she's so funny. So there's this moment alone, the conversation, and I'm sitting there going, oh, what did I do? What did I do? And Beth just says it so simply. She just goes, not a time to go cheap, Brooks. And I'm like, we have presidents here, and we saved money because we didn't have dessert. And I, I just, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And the thing is, if you know Stumbo, he, ugh, the guy doesn't demand anything. He's just so humble. Whatever. And uh, not a time to go cheap. And here they are in front of this king, and they find out actually all this miraculous stories and the prophecies, everything corroborates what they've experienced and they realize they are looking at the savior of the world. And I am telling you in that moment, to a person, I bet you they were so glad they didn't go cheap. There's a day coming, you and I, we get to worship him now, but there is a day coming 
where we will be before the king of all kings. And we will look back on the life because this is the offering we get to give. We don't, he doesn't care really about your money, your gold. Like he invented it. Like he can make some more gold. Like gold, it doesn't matter to him. What matters is worship. Belief. And at the end of the day, standing before him, I just want to, I don't want it said of me, and I don't know about you, but I just don't want to be said of me, man, you went cheap. You went cheap on the Savior. Great job. You get one life. You get one life. Are you going to go cheap? Just going to hold back, not take the six-mile journey, get all cynical. Let's pray. Some of you are searching for God and, and you still don't know what to believe, where you're, what to think. <clears throat> And I I just want you to hear the story that Jesus wants you to find him. He wants you to find him. And and he is going to show up, and he has been showing up in your life, that you're here this morning is a piece of your story where God is showing himself to you, saying, hey, I'm right here. Follow me. Come Come and follow me. Come and and orient your life around me. I am your savior. I am your king. I am the one you've been looking for. Kneel before me and worship and find yourself for the first time. Just invite you to do it just like these magi did. Some of you this morning, you're going cheap. You're just going cheap on God. Sure, you're a Christian. But I don't know what's happened. I really don't know what's happened and why. But you've grown cynical. You just doubt it, you question it, you, you just... That picture of wise men is not you right now, and you know it. Did you know Jesus loves you right now? His invitation is just, uh, just come to him with all your stuff. Just say, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, Jesus.
maybe just give them all the what ifs and the, and the, well, this happened and Jesus, I don't know how to get over that and I don't know what to do with, just give that to him. And I don't, I don't know, Jesus, I just, I, I, I believe you and I don't know why I've gotten, how I've gotten here, I don't like here, but I don't, I don't want to stay here, but help me. And maybe that's what you say is just, Jesus, help me. I just don't want to stay in Jerusalem. I want to be in Bethlehem. I want to get in Bethlehem. And maybe you just tell him, I'm sorry, I'm cheap. I'm just so sorry, I'm cheap. And some of us, many of us, this is the opportunity, all of us, this is the opportunity, this is why we take these moments and these weeks leading up, it is just to let this sink in again. Jesus wants us. He loves us. He found me. And he is this and you say it again and it discovers it we discover it again in these days of just he is the king of all kings. He's the king of all kings. Just to renew that understanding and declaration and at a deeper level of worship. And just say, I worship you, Jesus. I, I just worship you. I worship you. Oh, Jesus, would you just be with us? I mean, your word says that, like, your name is Emmanuel. For each person that's in this room and for the kids, all of us as we go out, I just, I hate it. I hate walking off this campus sometimes because in moments like this where it's just, it's all so clear. And you're here, your presence is here. I just hate leaving because it's like, oh no, I don't want to go out there. And for every person, Lord, as we go out into this world, would it, would it just be like what happens to you where it just doesn't stick to us? It just, you stick with us. So with each person here, Lord, send them. Send them with your peace. Send them with your strength. Send them with your presence. Amen.